Well, ironically, there are two teams kind of in the same spot as a franchise right now. The Predators and Blues play tonight in St. Louis. We've got your game preview. And one thing the Preds need to do to pull out a win. Plus, what do you think is the worst contract that David Poyle has ever signed as GM of the Nashville Predators? There's a new blog article that came out that has us asking that question. And I personally disagree with what a lot of people think is the consensus number one. Let's talk about that today on the Locked on Preds podcast. Your Locked on Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Predators your first listen of the day every single day. We are your free daily Nashville Predators podcast that's available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. I'm Nick Morgan. I'm a writer and editor at OnTheForeCheck.com, and I have a partner in crime. You do. I am Ann Kimmel. I'm a writer and editor at InsideThePreds.com. Also want to mention today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right. Well, this, for many reasons, is a game I think Preds fans have had circled on the calendar. One, it's against a hated rival, the St. Louis Blues. Two, very important for playoff implications uh, down the road because both teams are kind of in the same spot right now. The Preds are one point ahead of St. Louis in the standings. They have 48 points. The Blues have 47. Uh, the Preds could theoretically leapfrog the Colorado Avalanche after this game. That's a whole different conversation. That's a uh, And yeah, these, these in, hey, it's the St. Louis Blues. We love to beat the St. Louis Blues, don't we? There's a lot of bragging rights there. So, and, you know, it, it's funny for, if you look across the scope of the NHL right now, and you see two current non-playoff teams fighting for, you know, spots, of all of those types of games, this is the one I think is probably going to be most intriguing across the entire NHL this year, or this, uh, or tonight, I should say. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. And what is so interesting to me is that these two teams are where they are tonight. Because I don't know that we really had a good gauge of where Nashville was going to be. But St. Louis was, for me, a sleeper. Like, they, I really felt like St. Louis was going to come out and not a lot of people were talking about them. But I thought St. Louis is going to come out and shock the socks off of the Central Division. And I'm not saying that the Central Division hasn't been shocked by St. Louis. I think it's just been in very different ways than what I had anticipated. But I agree with you. This is going to be a very interesting game across the NHL tonight for people to be watching these two teams. Because what happens tonight, you know, it's still early. I get it. We're before the All-Star break. But where Nashville and where St. Louis have found themselves, there's playoff implications in January, potentially, based on what happens tonight. And and it could affect some other teams down the road, too. So this one has me a little nervous, but also 
I have uh, I have one specific high hope for this game tonight. So you know what? Let's go. Let bring it on, St. Louis. Bring it on, as what's the cheerleaders your, say. What's your one specific high hope? Well, what is the last time these two teams played was in December. It was a one nothing overtime game. So in my mind, we can just gloss over that. St. Louis won that in overtime. It was not an offensive battle by any stretch of the imagination. But the time before that then they that they played was October 27th. What happened for the, the last time on October 22nd? What was what what happened for the last time on October 22nd? Do you know? For the last time? Mm-hmm. For the last time. Since uh, October oh, 27th, oh, 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 this oh, has oh, not happened. Oh, Tanner Janot, his last goal. <laughs> the last time Tanner Janot scored a goal this season. Baby, I'm on Janot Hattie Watch. It's coming. <laughs> that would be extremely unbrand if Tanner Janot goes like three months without scoring a goal and Jen's just third. And then just like scores third. Yeah. Can you? Uh, I mean... So crazy. I went back and looked at that October 27th game and I was like, how is it possible that that is correct? And friends, that is correct information. Uh, Tanner Janot has not scored since he's not scored a goal since October 22nd. He's had some assists, but he has not scored a goal tonight. My friends, my hopes are high. My hat is on. Hopefully by the end of the night, it won't be because I'm not just saying Tanner Janot is going to score a goal. I am praying to the hockey gods that he breaks this horrible snake bit streak with a hattie or just one <laughs> or just yeah, one let's, let's, why don't we start with one <laughs> just yeah, one let's let's get let's let's start with one and see how it is uh what do you think happens first and do you think tanner Janot score or breaks his uh, three-month goal drought or do you think cole smith scores his first goal you know would it not would it not absolutely rock the Predators fan base to its core if both happened? <laughs> that would be, if that happens, tonight is going to be one of the best nights on Twitter. It uh, would be cataclysmic, very, people. Very long time. I would love to I would love to see both of those things happen like in a 40 second span like you know the predators got those two goals against buffalo in like 44 seconds let's yeah. do a tanner Janot and a cole smith back to back goals in under a minute and just watch the world around us implode <laughs> you have me sold <laughs> You have convinced me to watch the Twitter world burn down. Come on. Oh, and it's been a hard world these last 24 hours. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's been interesting because this isn't the typical St. Louis Blues team uh, we're used True. to seeing, so to speak. You know, we're, you, the St. Louis Blues, you think of them and you think of those old games of the Preds and then it's like, all these two to one or three to two battles and everybody's throwing their body around and everybody's checking. And there's, you know, the other team is packed with players that fan base loves to hate. And it just hasn't been that way for the St. Louis blues this year. You know, the defense especially uh, has not been there. The goaltending has yes. not been there. Jordan Bennington, not looking anywhere close to where he's been the past few years. Uh, and that's a big issue. And then the other thing for the Blues is just the fact that they're hurt. 
I mean, they are. They you, are. You go, you go. I mean, their IR list is a potential all-star team. You know, Vladimir Tarasenko out tonight. Ryan O'Reilly out tonight. Tori Krug. Uh, Marco Scandella. Everybody's favorite. Uh, everybody's favorite uh, villain. Robert Bortuzzo. He's oh, out too. So sad. That must be awful. Yeah, uh, somewhere Victor Arvidsson is laughing next to yep. a fireplace while stroking a cat. Yep. Uh, you know, it's just it's it's a very different St. Louis Blues team, and maybe that's part of why the Blues are at where they're at this season. But also, you know, you look at Ryan O'Reilly and his game even before the injury hasn't quite been there. Vladimir Tarasenko certainly hasn't been the Vladimir Tarasenko of years past. And it's, it's funny because, and that's why I said this, and we can talk a little bit more in depth about this after the break, but it really feels like Nashville and St. Louis kind of in the same spot as a franchise right now Mm -hmm. where it's, you know, you have this, you know, kind of trademark core, this core of players that took you to a lot of success. And it just kind of feels like, maybe their time is running out. You know, you look at St. Louis and they have guys like Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. Obviously those two guys are who you need to kind of transition the core to. So that means you look at where the blues are and it's like, does that mean, you know, Ryan O'Reilly might be on the trade block come the deadline? Could Vladimir Tarasenko, he's been in trade rumors for a couple of years now. Is this the year he finally gets moved? So it's very interesting that see, you know, the conversation around the blues centered around that some of these old you know this long time people who are so critical to the blue success maybe playing in their last few months in a blues uniform yeah it is and to be where they're at as a team as well you know still kind of trying to figure out where are we going to land are we going to land in the postseason are we not because again i really felt like st louis was going to be one of those quiet killers in the central division and I don't know. Tonight is going to be tonight is going to be a great hockey game. Tonight is going to be a, a good game for both of these teams to figure out a little bit more. Could we just maybe get a little peek at who this Nashville Predators team really is tonight? I don't know, but I'm here for a Tanner Janot Hattie friend. Yeah, I feel like we've been saying that for quite some time now. Every episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about one thing the Preds need to do tonight to absolutely win this hockey game. Plus, interesting uh, article that came out via the Hockey Economist about the Predators' worst contracts in franchise history. There's the one, the number one on the list is probably the one you're thinking of. I disagree, mm-hmm. and I'm going to explain why here coming up in a second. But first. Want to mention? <coughs> excuse me. Want to mention today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball. Pretty much any sport you can name, they've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. You can find those at Bet Online as well. Always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the action happening tonight. Bet Online, where the game starts. 
All right, Anne. What to you is one thing the Predators absolutely need to do tonight to beat the St. Louis Blues? I know this is going to sound just outrageously obvious, but the Nashville Predators have got to generate offense and finish their chances, especially against the Blues. The Blues have had some low-scoring games, but they have also, uh, in the beginning of this month, put up some pretty decent numbers in some games as far as goals. This is a team where Nashville needs to get their offense going again. I mean, I'm looking at like four goals minimum. This is what this is what I think Nashville needs to do. And I think it's possible if they can get some things going, they need to, obviously they've got to figure out what is happening on the power play. We talked about it last night. The power play was a hot steaming mess in the last game and definitely from the sounds of it, something that John Hines was going to be spending some time working on. So we need to see the predators when you have an opportunity, whether it's with a quality chance or whether it's a net front goal or whether it is on the power play, you have to make that convert into offense. You've got to score some goals. And you talked about Jordan Bennington and this is somebody who's kind of, you know, it's so odd because he'll have like a, a shutout. He'll have a really good game. And then it's just, he's a little bit not, um, he is not consistent necessarily like we have in UC Soros. So I think there's an opportunity there. You talked about there are some injuries. You've talked about, you know, the defense maybe is not holding up as well as you're used to with St. Louis. This is an opportunity for Nashville to get back to the kind of play that results in goals. And I'm not talking about passing it around the perimeter, because when you look back at that October 27th game that the Predators won 6-2, those goals, those goals came in front of the net. They were juicy rebounds. You know, it was um, Ryan Johansson following the play and smacking a rebound back in there. It was those kind of greasy goals, that net front presence that, you know what, stop going for style points. Although... Philip Forsberg and that Michigan try in the last game, like maybe just go ahead. I'm just saying. He said afterward, he was like, that would have been really sweet. And I'm like, it really actually was beautiful. But Nashville put goals on the board, put goals behind the net. You know, you are generating some good chances in these games. These games you're winning two to one. You are generating far better high danger chances than your opponents. You've got to finish them. So for me, I know it sounds basic in the world of hockey and sports in general, but you have got to score more goals than your opponent. Yeah. And you mentioned the power play, like the cool. Preds power play. They're going to get their chance tonight because the St. Louis Blues, uh, not a good penalty kill. 28th in the NHL in penalty kill. Mm-hmm. Of course, the Predators have a 29th best power play. So maybe that offsets each other. But yeah. the chances are the Predators are going to get a chance against a not very good penalty kill. Mm-hmm. And can they generate chances there? And you talked about it a little bit. It just seems like the last little bit, they've kind of gone back to the late Peter Laviolette days yes. where it's just, you know, they're, they're trying too hard to set up one specific play. And it's not necessarily just, you know, take 50 shots from the perimeter and hope the best happens, mm-hmm. but you know, they're always trying to make that perfect pass or, you know, yes. set up, kind of in the middle of the circle and pass it cross ice, try to get that one timer and teams are reading it or, you know, the pass is a little bit, you know, off the mark, you know, they're trying too hard to set up, you know, one or two particular plays. And I agree with you. 
when we saw the Predators late in December kind of start to turn things around, they were keeping things simple. You know, yes. it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a dump in or trying to set up like a cycle or a specific play. You know, we, we saw like plays where Matt Duchesne would get the puck instead of, you know, diving. He would just take it one on two, drive to the net, force whatever goal he was there to try to make the save. If not, you know, rebound opportunity, you have a chance to reset or the goalie, you know, has to make a save and cover the puck and boom, all of a sudden you have an offensive zone faceoff. You know, there's simple things like that. Mm -hmm. um you know you mentioned like some of the gritty goals you know those you know sometimes it's not a bad play to just you know if you have a shooting lane to shoot it and then just have you know three guys rush towards the crease and try to you know smack home rebounds get a tip something like that the predators you know the way they're at right now they don't need to be too fancy keep it simple and i think they're gonna have a really good chance of maybe turning some of their offensive woes around tonight, but they have to go back to keeping things simple. Yeah, I agree. And I think especially on the power play, you know, uh, in the last game, they, I mean, they couldn't even get it in the zone. And again, it goes back to just keep it simple. You know, don't, you don't have to force anything. Just be patient with the play and then put the pucks on net, just put pucks on net. Like, uh, Matthias Ekholm said one time, I, I don't think anything bad usually happens if you put pucks on net. And sometimes something really good happens, you know, and let's hear it for some good Swedish wisdom. Put the puck on the net and and let's let's be very happy when Tanner Janot finishes those shots with a rebound or punches it past Bennington. You know, let's not need style goals. Let's just keep it simple. And I think that's when you see the Predators most successful, when they just keep it simple. And and I think there's a couple players who are maybe overthinking the game right now. And, yeah. you know, and, and I understand when maybe you feel like you're not where you want to be. That's kind of the headspace that you go to. You tend to overthink. You tend to look for, oh, no, this is the best play go for the really good play you don't have to spend that much time trying to generate the best play go for the really good play and I would love to see a game that had a score of six to two for the Predators or like I said four to two I know traditionally St. Louis and Nashville have been you know that two one you know one nothing kind of you know matchup but tonight for the Predators confidence sake let's get some goals let's get some Cody Glass goals let's get like I said couple Tanner Janot. Tonight could be Cole Smith's night, my friends. It's going to happen at some point. It's going to happen. And you know what? When it happens, hockey Twitter, I want to see you post congratulations. And you just save your snark for tomorrow. Because we know you're going to bring it back about Cole Smith tomorrow. Give the man a day. I hope it's like, you know when like Alex Ovechkin broke uh, up? Gordy Hausmark and like all the teammates came skating off the bench. Yes. I hope that happens for Cole Smith. <laughs> yes. Just to stop the game. Everybody yes. like goes to the corner and like hugs him. The other team is standing, you know, at their bench, giving the stick taps. I yes. just, I envision that happening for Cole Smith. I also happening game 80. I also envision game 82. Uh, <laughs> he's got zero goals. And then he's got a, like a breakaway and an empty net. He's skating towards the empty net and then just like slips and falls and he slides into the net 
and then just the puck, you just see a vision of the puck just slide right, right, like by it outside. Yeah, yeah, and then there's just like dead silence except for the sound of John Hines laughing in the background. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's 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 the other uh, (laughs) world I envision. Pick which one you think is more realistic. I'm going with Cole Smith scores the goal tonight, and so does Tanner Janot. I'm putting it out there. Let let's put it out there and 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 see what the cat licks up, friends. Let's just see what happens tonight. There you have it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of players and not scoring and anything like that, uh, the Hockey Economist recently put out a article about the Preds' fifteen worst contracts of the David Poyle era. I disagree with a couple of entries on the list. And there's one in particular that's really grinding Anne's gears. And I'm sure. I mean, huge. I'm sure she is going to talk about it. So let's get into that uh, here in just a second. First, we want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by our great friends at Built Bar. If you have listened to this podcast, you know that Nick and I are huge fans of Built Bar. So we're here to tell you that if you were uh, yesterday, did you? What flavor did you order? I got the uh, peanut butter chocolate granola and I got a puff mix box. Nice. High recommendations from both of us for the granola and the puffs. Just totally off script, huge fans of those. But if you are looking for something to help you make a little bit healthier choices this new year, Nick and I hard hard recommend built bars. They are good for you, but they also taste great. There are so many things out there that are supposedly good for you that you just cannot choke down. That is not at all what built bars are. Healthy is tasty with built bars. Part of that reason is that they are covered in a hundred percent real chocolate. So you're going to be thinking you're getting a great treat. They come in great flavors like churro, uh, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. I love the cherry barcia. And I don't know how Built Bar does it, but they do it and we give them credit for it. They make this delicious treat with great macros, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein in these Built Bars. And now you don't have to wait around for a box. You can, of course, do what Nick did and go to Built.com and order your favorite flavor. But you can now also go to Walmart, wander down through the pharmacy area, and pick yourself up a four-count box of Built Bars. Or if bigger is better in your life, go to Sam's Club. You can get an 18-count box at Sam's Club. And a little side note, if you have college students in your life, they love built bars because they grab them before their early classes and sleep in a little bit longer, skip breakfast. So check out Walmart, check out Sam's Club. And remember, you can always go to built.com slash NHL network to order your favorite flavor and you can get 20% off your order. That's built.com slash NHL network for 20% off at built.com. All right, and so over the weekend, you and I saw an article that kind of piqued our interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Hockey Economist, uh, who is a blogger a lot of people follow, put out his list of the 15 worst Nashville Predators contracts. It's based on uh, a book he put out called The Guide to Salary Mismanagement. And it takes a lot of things. It's just like, you know, the long-term value of the deal versus, um, you know, how well the player did, you know, the salary implications, blah, 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 blah. 
So here, here's a here's basically the top five. Number one, Kyle Turris, which I think a lot of people would say maybe number one. Number two, Ryan Johansson, his current deal. Three, Victor Stahlberg. Four, Matt Duchesne. And five, Paul Gostad. Uh, and there's some other ones on those. So I'm giving one in particular I think Anna's going to get to here in a second. <laughs> Are you talking um, about number 12? Because I have a problem with number 12. Yeah, number. Go just go ahead and say number 12. Number 12 is Pecorine's final deal. What in the ever-loving flagnog are you putting that on there for? But go yeah, ahead. Yeah, it's it's outrageous. It's just outrageous to me. Outrageous. Yeah. I mean. Outrageous, Nicholas. Yeah, I, I, this was like the deal he signed. Um, when was this? It was like after his Vezina year. It was just like mm-hmm. the two more deals the to keep through years, 2020 yeah. and 2021, which is, you know, like, look, he was there to train. I mean, you know, I think David Poyle even said it at the time, it was there to kind of transition to, to UC Soros. Yes. Like, that was, I, I, yeah, I don't see anything wrong with that contract. So, Pecorino is one, worth. $5 million if he doesn't even change out of his suit and sits in the locker room for the game. That's all I have to say about that. Number 12 is outrageous. But go ahead. Yeah. Let's go back and talk about some of these other ones. Yeah, now. strong disagree with Pecorine being on there. Strong. Um, You know, for me, uh, number one, I know everybody's going to go with Kyle Turris. I know that everybody is, you know, still talking about the buyout. You know, the, the big disappointment. And yeah, I get it. Like, I really do get it. Like, that's like, that's a bad contract. There's one that I would put higher than that, Anne. Really? See, now I will say this about the Kyle Turris one. I get in retrospect, and this is what frustrated me. Nick and I conversed about this last night. This is what frustrates me about this. Hindsight makes everyone look like a genius. I think the Kyle Turris signing at the time was a very smart move. Well, that's, and that's why, that's why uh, I said, wait for context here, because number one on my list, I would put Victor Stahlberg number one, because look, like you said, I think you need to add some context into this. Mm -hmm. Victor, like Kyle Turris was at the time considered a pretty good two third line center, like number two, number three, like a middle six, which is what the Predators desperately needed. And he had some success the year before in Ottawa, both, you know, during the regular season and with the play and during the playoffs, like got, got Ottawa very close to basically one goal away from facing the Nashville Predators in the Stanley cup finals. I'm sure the NHL would have loved that. They would have loved that finals. Heard that TV ratings there. So, you know what? <laughs> there was some, uh, there was, you know, at least some evidence that it's like, okay, you know what? Kyle Turris, sure. You know, he took a stab at it. Here's the thing with Victor Stahlberg. Mm-hmm. There was no baseline for him being good at all. The deal with Victor Stahlberg is in 2012, he scored 22 goals as the third member of the Blackhawks line with uh, Taze and Kane. The next year, he was taking off that line and just a depth guy, and he scored nine goals. 
And that was the year the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup. And if you're thinking, oh, okay, maybe he just cashed in on like a good playoff performance or something. No, he didn't score a goal in the entire Stanley Cup playoffs that year. He had three points and had 10 minutes average of ice time. And so what happens the next year? David Poyle signs into a four-year, $12 million deal. That's like, that's, you're giving a fourth liner $3 million a year for four years. Yeah. Like, tell me how that makes sense. I would actually put Paul Gostad's contract a little bit higher up there for context too, because you know, he was, you know, knew what he was, you know, you already gave up a first round pick at the trade deadline to get Paul Gostad. Mm-hmm. You saw basically what he's doing. He's just a very good penalty killer, very good face-off specialist. And then you lock him in for four more years at 3.3 million. You're giving all these depth guys who don't have a history of game changing play, except maybe a very niche role in the penalty kill. You're giving them long-term deals for $3 million. That's why I think those two are mm-hmm. worse con- like worse contracts in context than Kyle yeah. Turris or Ryan Johansson. Yeah, look, Kyle Turris did not work out. I mean, it, in retrospect, a very bad contract. But I'm with you, Anne. I think hindsight on this one is 2020. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I at the time, you make that Kyle Turris trade. Yeah. And you sign him to that contract. Yes. Like that's what 100%. you do at the time. Obviously he didn't work out and it worked out bad. The Victor Stahlberg and Paul Gossett situations. And there's some other entries in the list, like Eric Nystrom, Matt Hendricks. Right. That are kind of fall in the same category of this. Those other contracts are like, they seemed bad at the time. Like they seem like, huh, this doesn't seem like it's a good idea. And then they wound up being very bad, like proven to be bad in time. That's why I think those were worse deals than Kyle Chris. Yes. It's the information you have going in, because let's just face it, there's a little bit of crystal ball voodoo when you are signing these contracts. And I know... You know, fans think being the GM is really not that difficult. This is a good contract. This is a bad contract. But I agree with you. Context is everything. When you look at Kyle Turris, and I know that the Predators are still paying him. And look, here's what's real. Julie Turris and her podcast with um, Ida was worth every penny for Kyle Turris. Just the off-ice podcast that they did. Worth every penny of that contract. Thank you. But the information you had going in made this a good deal. Was he perhaps overpaying? Of course, but this is all based on market value. This is all based on one moment in time. How many centers with that particular skill set were available and how many teams were looking for them? There's so many factors that go into making these contracts at the time. And I think the information that you had and the market that was there when Kyle Turris was signed does not make this ridiculous. And look, I love Kyle Turris. Quite frankly, I have no problem still paying Kyle Turris because I love him that much. Yeah, I mean, here's my contract question. Here is my contract question for you, Nick. Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne, which is the worst contract? I mean, here's the thing. I think based, 
based on the role they're playing, and it's easy, it's kind of easy to compare because they have identical contracts. Mm-hmm. Based on the role they're playing right now, obviously Ryan Johansson is the one that's probably the most overpaid. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, if you bring in Matt Duchesne to kind of be your prize for agent and you give him, you know, all these clauses and stuff like that, has he produced like a number one center? I mean, neither of them have. Right. But I would say at least Matt Duchesne is in. And I go back and forth. You know, Ryan Johansson's clearly like the number two center at this point. Mm-hmm. And for that, you know, you look at his $8 million deal and you say that's a bad contract. But right. if you're going to do that and you look at Matt Duchesne and you ask, is he producing like a number one center? He was last year, not necessarily this year. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you look at his average, that's that's an interesting conversation to have. I will say this about Ryan Johansson because he was number two in the list. Yes. Uh, a lot of people forget that at the time for like, I would say like the first four or five years of his tenure here. Ryan Johansson was the best center the Nashville Predators ever had. Like yes. he was the best number one center, um, you know, and he was a major reason for the Predators 2017 cup run. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I still maintain this. Somebody said this on Twitter the other day, and I agree. If Ryan Johansson wasn't hurt in the Western conference finals, Come on. I think the Predators beat the Penguins. I really do. Because Mm A, what's he known for? Shutting down the other team's best players. He would have been out there with either Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin. He would have given them some, like, the defensive depth. Colton Sissons did a great job, but he would have given them more defensive depth. I think they shut down, and I think the way he was scoring that year, his best scoring run – there is more than enough offense to help the Nashville Predators beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. And it's one of those, oh, what would have happened? Same for Kevin Fiala, too. Yeah, oh, Kevin yes, Fiala, I was just thinking that. Was, that. Yep. that was the year that Kevin Fiala really found his groove, started getting really hot towards the end, and then unfortunately got hurt uh, in the second round. So yep. it's it's interesting. Without those two injuries – you kind of wonder if there's a a Stanley cup banner at Bridgestone right now. Gosh, I know. So painful. Sometimes hockey is just a wicked mistress. Yeah. Wicked mistress. That is a way of describing it. And yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. But tonight let's see who is going to earn their contract tonight. Tanner, Janelle, Cole Smith. Let's go. Yeah. Will it be another uh, mis- tempted mistress? What, what did you just say? Wicked mistress. Wicked mistress or a salty siren. What happens for the Nashville Predators tonight? We'll have to see. It is a 7 o'clock puck drop here uh, in St. Louis, here in Central Time. So we will be back tomorrow with a full recap of what happened Uh, Also, let us know what you think about what's the worst contract in Nashville Predators history. Do you agree? Do you think just based on the money involved, Kyle Turris or Ryan Johansson are the top two? Or in context, do you think some of the deals like Victor Stahlberg, 
Um, you know, and some of those players are worse. Let us know your thoughts. Chime in uh, on Twitter at LO underscore Predators. Or if you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment. We want to know what you think. And where can people find your work? You can find my work online at InsideThePreds.com. And you can find me on Twitter at ANK underscore Mama on Ice. You can find me at onthefourcheck.com or follow me on Twitter at underscore NS Morgan. However you're listening to us right now, whether you're watching us live on YouTube or you're streaming us on your favorite podcasting platform like Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, whatever, be sure to hit that subscribe button. That way you'll always know when we have fresh content up for you and it helps us out with numbers and ratings and whatnot. And you guys want to help us out, right? That's going to do it for us on today's Locked on Predators podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day, as always. We'll be back tomorrow with Preds Blues Recap. We'll see you then.